put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and below, compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Let be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with sinfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. Let's pray. Dear God, in this moment we're standing before you and we're asking for your wisdom through your word and we ask you to open our hearts and mind to understand your wisdom, to understand and have knowledge about you and how you want us to live in this life among other people and in church and we asking blessing upon us in Jesus name amen please be seated my proposition for today is our relationship within the church body must reflect our new identity in Christ. As we go through the book of Colossians, we see how Paul is uncovering for us and for church in Colossae, for brothers there, that the most important is to understand who we are than who Christ is. Thank you. And the next, we're in chapter three, it's, it's a practical how to live out of Christ in our lives. And most likely, all of us has been through some of the issue in our lives. And one of the situations we got in, it was scams and identity thieves, right? Identity thieves and scams have become increasingly common in recent years affecting individuals and business alike. According to recent studies, it is likely that everyone, everyone, has either experienced or been victim of identity thieves or scams at some point in their lives. This is a serious issue, can be significant financial or personal consequences. And guess what, I'm actually, been also the, the scam victim. So someone swiped out our credit card checks from our mailbox. We had no idea until banks sent us a message about someone's, some sketchy activity on our account and someone was trying to cash a check we never signed. Basically, some individual was trying to deposit check that wasn't even signed by us. Can you believe it? Upon investigation, we discovered that individual who stole the checks fake a signature and tried to purchase some goods from another person. 
Luckily for us, our bank account has extra protection and the check didn't go through. But still, it was not a fortune for the individual who gave away his goods to the thief who pretended to be the owner of these checks. We all know that identity theft illegally access personal information and defraud us or pretend to be someone else in another way. That's one story. But the truth is sometimes in our life, we probably pretended to be someone else at some point, right? Like when we were kids, we played dress up with friends as doctors, teachers, builders, even superheroes, or even we acted as a, in a play or dress up as a, our favorite character for a party. It's always good or cool to be someone else for a night, but let's be real. We know tomorrow we are back to our real selves. So here's the deal and another story. We start running into trouble when we try to be someone we are not and act like that's the real us. We convince ourselves that we are not good enough. So we put on a fake front to make ourselves seem cooler. Sometimes we end up living two different lives. One with one group of people and another with another group. And sometimes we act all nice and sweet on the outside, but deep down, we mad, bitter, and just tick off at God and everyone else. It's like we are getting robbed or scammed of our true, I, true selves by sneaky spiritual identity thieves, the devil and his lies and tricks. We have got three really scammers or scams and enemies. The world, the word, world. So we see in a chapter three, verse five, so put off worldly things. So the world, world is our enemy, our own selfish desires and the devil. And they are always trying to crush our spirit and stop us from being who we really are in Christ. The world wants us to be just like everyone else. Our own foolish hearts want us to be the center of attention. And the devil is always trying to paralyze our identity in Christ. So let's look into the context of our passage. Colossians chapter 3 is the pivotal section of the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christian community in Colossa. In this chapter, Paul focuses on a theme of Christian living and instructs believers on how to align their lives with their new identity in Christ. He calls them to pull off the old ways of living characterized by sin and to put on the virtues and qualities that reflect the character of Christ. Let's overview chapter three before we start our passage to see the beauty of God's word and his teaching. So in Colossians chapter three, give us a lot of instruction. And it begins with first verse, if then you have raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above, verse 1. Set your minds on things that are above, verse 2. Put to death, therefore, what is earthy in you, verse 5. Put them away, verse 8. Put off old self, verse 9. Put on new self, verse 10. Renewed in knowledge. In our section 1215, put on new self, Christ attributes, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiving each other, love, peace, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Live in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we see here in this chapter, a four section that Paul want, want us to learn. And we not just want to look in our passage, but we want to see in the context. So first, setting the mind on Christ, which starts in Colossians 3, 1, 4. Paul begins by exhorting the Colossian believers to set their minds on heavenly things rather than healthy th uh, earthly things. He emphasized that they have been raised with Christ and urged them to seek the thing above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The focus is on living with the eternal perspective, knowing that their true life is hidden with Christ in God. The second section we see put to death the old self, Colossians 3, 5, 11. In this section, Paul addressed various sinful behaviors and attitudes that the believers need to put to death. He lists things like sexual immorality, impurity, devil desire, evil desires, greed, anger, slander, and lying. The old self characterized by sinful tendencies is to be to put off like the old clauses. It is, has been crucified with Christ. Paul emphasized that believers are part of a new community where distinction like ethnicity, social status, or religious background do not matter. Instead, Christ is all and in all, unifying his followers. And the third section we see the putting on the new self, which is Colossians 3, 12, 17. After instructing the believers to put off the old self, Paul now tells them to put on the new self. He encouraged them to embrace virtues and that reflect Christ's character. This virtue includes compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Law is to be the overarching virtue that binds everything together. Believers are called to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven them and let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. The word, word of Christ is to dwell richly among them, leading to thankfulness and worship. That's what we're going to be talking today. And the, he's finishing his, the third chapter, but the fourth point is the living in Christ-centered relationship. Paul addressed different relationships with the Christian community. 
He speaks to wives and husbands, children, parents, and slaves and masters. In each case, Paul encouraged mutual respect, love, and submission, as well as doing everything in the name of the Lord. And the next Sunday, is gonna, Albert's going to bring us the word about this section. So let's see what Col- Colossians chapter 3 is bringing to us. It's a valuable resource for us as Christians who are seeking guidance on how to live a faithful and meaningful life in accordance with our faith. It's emphasis on the transformative power of Christ and the importance of the practical expression of love and devotion toward others. Through its comprehensive guidance on how to glorify God in all aspects of life, Colossians 3 provides a roadmap for us believers to follow as we seek to deepen our relationship with Christ and live our faith in a way that impacts those around us. Today we have an opportunity to engage in a practical reflection on a particular section by taking the time to reflect on the meaning and relevance of this text. We can gain valuable insight and apply in a meaningful way. Our goal is to extract as much value as possible from this passage by understanding its underlying message and how it applies to the church in Colossae and our current situation through the prism of Christ's life in us. We will have just two points today in Colossians 3, 12, 17. First is put on your true identity. And second is live out your transformed identity. So put on your true identity. Scripture instructs us that putting on the new self through Christ and being resurrected with him has implication and extend beyond our personal lives or our public lives and most importantly, church life. Also, despite all of this being united in Christ, there are still divisions that separate us. A little bit of context. In Colossians 3.11, just right before the put on your new self, Paul acknowledged this division, which include cultural and racial differences. Nothing new. Paul's message to Christians of, of his day was to embrace unity and reflect the social norms that reject the social norms that divided them. He encouraged them to put on the new self and to live a life that reflect the love and grace of God. This message is just as relevant today as it was in the Paul time, reminding us to strive for unity and to reject the division that separate us. So in verse 12, our true identity. Paul gave us three points, three, on the beginning, three words. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Paul multiple times remind the church about their true identity in Christ. Throughout his various epistles, 
Paul consistently emphasized the true identity of the church in Christ. He recognized the potential for believers to be swayed by false teaching or worldly wireless, and thus make a concerted effort to remind them of their foundational beliefs by continually reinforcing the message of salvation through faith in Jesus. Paul seek to straighten the church commitment to living a life that reflect their identity as children of God. Through his words, Paul encouraged believers to remain steadfast in their faith, to resist temptation, and to fulfill their purpose as ambassadors of Christ. His unwavering commitment to this message serves as a timeless reminder of importance of staying true to our true identity in Christ, both individually and collectively as the body of believers. Let's see at examples what Paul written to the Church of Colossae 2, chapter 2, six fifteen. He reminded just few sentences before, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Or how he wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, you can read 33, 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is the, at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And he continued in chapter 9, Romans 9. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called not from Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he say in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not below, I will call below. And in very place where it was said to them, you are now my people, there they will be called sons of a living God. So Paul brings here our true identity. He reminds us that we God's chosen ones, and we holy, and we beloved. This message serves as a powerful reminder that our identity is found in Christ alone, and that we are called to live out this identity in all that we do. I want to repeat, his message serves as a powerful reminder that our identity is found in Christ alone and that we are called to live out this identity in all that we do. And we see here in verse 12 is the part of a larger section in the letter where Paul is exhorting the Colossian believers to live a life that is in line with their new identity in Christ. It encouraged them to embrace virtues and qualities that reflect the character of Christ and put off the old way of living that were characterized by sin 
In this verse, Paul emphasized the believer's special relationship with God as his chosen, holy, and beloved people. He urged them to embody these virtues in their daily lives because our relationship within the church body must reflect our new identity in Christ. And let's look closer to the each point what Paul brings to the church to ponder and think about. Compassion, compassion and heart is an essential quality that enables individual to understand the need and suffering of others and act with empathy and concern toward them. In the church, compassion plays a vital role in building healthy relationship with members. It allows individuals to connect with others at a deeper level and respond to their needs in a meaningful way. Showing compassion is not only an act of kindness, but also a responsibility. It can make a significant difference in life of those who are struggling. He brings kindness. The act of kindness can take a significant impact on the well-being of others. Demonstrating benevolence and goodness toward others requires a level of selflessness and empathy that can reinforce positive relationship. He mentioned humility. Humility is the character trait that is highly valid, especially in church. It is a quality that speaks of one, one's modesty and lack of self-centeredness. A humble person is not boastful and does not seek recognition of their achievements. They are willing to accept criticism and feedbacks and are always looking to, for ways to improve themselves. Humility is beneficial as it allows individuals to work collaboratively and effectively with others. It creates the environment where people are open to learning and growing and where ideas can be shared freely without fear. What about gentleness? Experience a gentle and meek heart involves avoiding harshness and aggression toward others, which can help to foster positive relationship and create a peaceful environment. Overall, incorporating gentleness into one's behavior can lead to a more harmonious church relationships. What we can say about patience, it involves the ability to remain calm and com composed even in challenging circumstances or when dealing with difficult people. Patience requires understanding, empathy, and self-control. It implies being able to tolerate delays and setbacks without losing focus and motivation. It also involves being able to listen attentively, communicate effectively, and seek constructive solution to challenges. He mentioned bearing with another. In other words, to hold up. In terms used in various contexts to signify endurance, tolerance, and forbearance. It is the attitude of patience and resilience in the face of adversity or discomfort to overcome obstacles. He mentioned forgiving one another just as Lord forgave you. And this is not new. So about forgiving, Paul is 
talking a lot in this epistle. Chapter 1, 13 and 14, he's saying, Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So Paul bring us back, bring us discovery of how God is forgive us. And 21, 22, and you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And he continued chapter 2, verse 13, 15. You can open with me. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailed it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And now we in 313, when he's made forgiving one another as Lord forgave you. So having this in mind, we see Paul has continually emphasized the pivotal role of Christ's death in bringing believers to life and offering forgiveness for their transgressions. This is particularly evident in his writing in Colossians, where he stated that God made his followers alive by forgiving them all their sins through the sacrifice of his son. In addition, the word forgiving is closely related to concept of grace, which is essence of gospel, according to Paul. The act of forgiveness, therefore, is synonymous with embodying the gospel as demonstrated through Christ's crucifixion. Its essence, as scripture teaches us, forgiving is not only the, a practice, but a way of living out the gospel message. And we in section above all this put on love. It's not the first time Paul mentioned about love is the greatest trait, is the greatest of a character of believer. In Romans 13:10, Galatians to Timothy and to Corinthian church in Corinth, the concept of love is essential to the teaching of Christianity. And this is exemplified in the writing of the Apostle Paul. In this epistle, Paul emphasized the importance of love as an ultimate expression of Christian faith and the fulfillment of God's love, law. He states that love is greater than faith and hope, and there is the foundation for all other virtues. This idea is reflected in his statement that love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul's teaching on law changed as a, 
to prioritize compassion, forgiveness, and selflessness in our relationship with others, and to recognize the transformative power of love in our own lives. We just studied the letter to Philippians, and Paul was saying the same message to them. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection in, and sympathy, sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Practically, Paul encouraged the believers to close themselves with these qualities, meaning that these virtues should become the integral part of Christian character and be visibly displayed in their interaction with others. This, the verse set a profound standard for Christian conduct and serve as a reminder of our transformation believers experience through faith in Christ. By internalizing these virtues, believers like you and me can reflect God's love and character to the world, contributing to the growth of the compassion and harmonious Christian community, his body. Now let's bring up Gateway's mission statement. We exist to glorify God by building a community of believers who are actively committed to knowing, applying, and proclaiming the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our identity of gateway. And I want to bring to the second point, which is live out your transformed identity. Verse 13, 17. As Christians, we believe that being, ra being raised with Christ, which is Colossians verse 3, 1, means more than just a new identity in him. It also means a transformed identity for others. He was dead, and now he lives. We are called to live out this new identity by loving and serving others, just as Christ did himself. We see in previous verses that he involves putting the needs of others before our own, seeking to understand and empathize with their struggles and extending grace and forgiveness, even if it's difficult. Living out our transformed identity for others can take many forms. Recent statistics suggest that an increasing number of Christians in America are struggling to maintain their transformed identity in Christ. Despite the message of hope and perseverance that lies at the heart of Christian faith, many feel overwhelmed 
by the challenges of daily life. The pressure of work, family, and personal struggles can leave individuals feeling disconnected and discouraged. And in recent years, we have seen resurgence in a deconstruction movement. However, there is also an encouraging sign that many churches are enduring this storm and growing stronger in their commitment to preaching the truth. By staying true to the teaching of Christ and God's word and helping their congregants to find strength and purpose in Christ, these churches are providing a beacon of hope and for those who feel lost and disillusioned. By acknowledging the complexities and uncertainties of life, churches are able to connect with their congregants on a deeper level to foster a more authentic Christ-centered relationships. And the first, we see that in verse 15, maintain a peaceful and thankful heart. The early Christian display exemplary level of faith that was truly unparalleled in history. Despite the overwhelming persecution and oppression that they faced, they stood firm in their belief in Jesus Christ, choosing a retained steadfast even in the face of death. They endured brutal beating, bullying, and even being burned alive, all in the name of their faith. Yet, what is most remarkable about their steadfastness if they did not respond with violence or hatred, but rather with peace and thankful heart. This level of faith and devotion has continued to inspire believers, believers all over the world, providing the true strength and courage come from unwavering transformed life by God. There is an extra bulletin in a website when you click on bulletin. We just forgot to print it. And uh, there is some Jesus freak story, story about people who suffer for Christ. You can download, I encourage you to just read, or if you have this book, just you can read the stories, what was put together from different people from around the world, how they've been martyred for their beliefs. And in this extra bulletin, you will find a story about Maria and Varya, who struggled for Christ and been jailed in Russia for, for preaching the gospel. And as Varya talked to Maria, they, they've been encouraged. And in, in some times, Maria also became Christian, and she was put into the prison. And her letter to her friend was encouraging because she found there a lot of believers. So they have a church there. Even in a, in a time when they've been every day, when they've been bullying every day, they've been like tortured every day, they found peace in Christ because they were among other believers. Thomas Hudson, and his known story as he, before he was burned alive, 
he when he went on a podium and he just like slipped. But it wasn't just sleep. He was praying to ask God to straighten him so he can face the consequences of his belief. Pastor Florescu, he spent many years in Romania prison, in communist prison. He was be, even his son was killed in front of his eyes in his cell, being to death by communists and others. Apostle, uh, Apostle Peter, he was crucified. And Second Peter, he wrote just three years before his crucifixion. Apostle Paul, martyr in, in Rome, 65 AD. He was killed. And his words to Roman church, how he described his faith, who shall separate us from love of Christ? Roman 8, 35, 39. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angel nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor hate, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The legacy of early Christians serves a reminder of the enduring power of Christ and the importance of holding to him even in the most challenging of circumstances. A biblical understanding of peace extends beyond simply living a peaceful life and avoiding conflict. As believers, to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts means that we are called to be agent of reconciliation, which is made possible by God's ultimate act of reconciliation through his son, Jesus Christ. This means actively seeking to restore broken relationship and promoting unity with Christ and for Christ. True peace extend, exists not only when conflict is absent, but when there is genuine restoration and harmony. As followers of Christ, it is our responsibility to embody this message of reconciliation and work toward bringing about God's vision of peace on earth. As Paul mentioned to Ephesians church, either for a prisoner for the Lord, or you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift.
what a beautiful reminder again and again. The second part, we see Paul bring it, verse 16, remain in the word of Christ. As Christian, we must understand and embrace our true identity, which can only be found in Christ. Through his teaching, we can discover the confidence and assurance of our salvation. The word of Christ has the power to transform us, allowing us to embrace our true selves and live a fulfilling life in accordance with God's plan for us. When we immerse ourselves in his word, the spirit within us is stirred to sing and rejoice in the Lord our God. Therefore, it is crucial that we prioritize his teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. As Jesus said, John 15, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruits by itself unless it abides in a wine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the wine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. American Bible Society wrote in their report that in 2021, about 50% of Americans said they read the Bible on their own at least three or four times per year. That percentage has stayed more than less steady since 2011. But in 2022, it dropped 11 points. Now only 39% say they read Bible multiple times per year or more. It is the steepest, sharpest decline on record. The truth is, neglecting God's word leads to weakness in our spiritual lives. This has recognized by believers for centuries. As the Bible itself speaks to the importance of staying rooted in God's teaching and following his commandments. Neglecting God's word can lead to a lack of guidance and direction, as well as a sinful lifestyle. As Paul mentioned above in chapter three, five, six, ultimately neglecting God's word can have profound consequences for our personal lives and the church community. This acknowledge provide us with a solid foundation of our daily living and enable us to make decisions that are in alignment with God's will. The Apostle Paul was aware of the importance of this, and therefore he was straightforward about the need for Christians to know who the Lord is. By having a deep knowledge of God, we are better equipped to navigate life challenges and to live life that is pleasing to him. Paul's desire for the believers in Colossae was that God of the word of Christ dwell richly in them. This meant that he wanted them to have a deep personal understanding of the message of Christ. To achieve this goal, we have committed ourselves here at Gateway Bible Church to an expositional preaching of the word of God. 
We approach each passage of scripture to extract the full meaning and the message that God has for us. Our commitment to this type of preaching ensures that we do not miss anything that God has for us and allow us to teach the full wisdom of God's word to our congregation. Through, his, through this approach, we hope to help our congregation grow in understanding and application of the message of Christ. And finally, keep living for the Lord. Verse 17. This verse emphasizes the importance of living a life that is centered around Christ and giving thanks to God for every aspect of our lives. We must always remember that our actions and words are the representation of our faith and values. It is our responsibility to honor God in all that we do. A mindset rooted in sinfulness to God lays the foundation for building meaningful relationship with, with our church community. This mindset acknowledges that the strength to love and serve others come not from ourselves, but from the mercy and grace of God. It fosters the attitude of gratitude for the blessing of our lives, which leads to a deeper appreciation for the people around us. By cultivating this mindset to be thankful to God in all we do, we can approach our relationship with a humble and compassionate spirit, seeking to understand and support one another. Ultimately, at least through this unity in Christ, we can create a strong and connected church body, united in our faith and commitment to God. In conclusion, I want to say three phrases. Christ is enough. He is all we need. Christ is worthy. He is all we want. Christ is sufficient. He is all that is necessary. And concluding thoughts on this passage, as we live in the world filled with destruction and compelling priorities, it can be easy to lose sight of what's truly matter. We need to hear this message once again. Christ is enough. He is the foundation upon which we can build our lives. His love, grace, and mercy are endless. And he offers us a gift of eternal life. By placing our faith in him, we can experience the peace and joy that can only he can provide. Christ is the source of our strength and the anchor of our souls. And we can trust in him to guide us through life challenges. Furthermore, Christ is not only enough, but he is also worthy of our devotion and adoration. His sacrifice on the cross demonstrated the depth of his love for us. And we can respond by offering him our hearts and our lives. As we seek to follow him, we will discover that he is faithful and compassionate. Savior who will never leave us, 
or forsake us. In the world where so many things are fleeing and temporary, Christ is the one constant that we can always rely on. Let us, therefore, fix our eyes on him and trust in his goodness and grace. As followers of Christ, it is essential that we keep our focus on Jesus and strive to live in him and for him. However, we may encounter challenges and struggles that leave us fleeing, feeling weary and ensure how to move forward. In these moments, the church is here to support and guide. We encourage you as a member to reach out to pastor or an elder to pray together and seek guidance toward Christ. Our church provides various opportunities for growth and community, including Bible study, men's, women's ministry, and prayer meeting. Through all these activities, we can connect with others who are also seeking to deepen their relationship with Christ and grow in their faith. Our prayer meeting are particularly meaningful as we come together to lift up each other's need and concerns in prayer. We believe here in Gateway that by depending on Christ and his work in us, we can overcome any obstacles to continue to live a life that glorify God. Help us, God, to put on Christ and to live for Christ. As believers, we pray and seek seek God's help to put on Christ daily and to keep him at the center of our lives, both in our interaction with others and within our church community. We all see that this requires intentional effort and a commitment of living out our faith in practical ways. We must continually seek to grow in our knowledge and understanding of Christ allowing his teaching and example to shape our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Let's pray. Dear God, we're standing before you today, this morning, and we want to bring grace to you. We're thankful for your salvation and your forgiveness we have through your beloved son who died for us and for our transgressions. We see how you choose us and how you make us holy and beloved. It costs you, costs you a lot. We, have not, we don't have enough words, we don't have enough grace to bring to you, but we want in this moment just bring our lives and our hearts before you so you can shape us in an image you want us to be. And we ask to be your ambassadors, to live out our new identity in you. And live this for your glory and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.